Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf pod. Are you ready for this? Are you going to sneeze or are you excited? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm smiling. Oh, okay. Are you going to read it? <laughs> no. Were you, yeah, let's redo it. Were you worried about... Uh, no, your face looked like you were trying to sneeze because I couldn't see your mouth behind the microphone. Oh. Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast episode 20. This week's episode... I gotta stop saying this week. Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, episode 20. This episode is over Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. What? I don't know. There was something. Hello and welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Try to freak you up. Uh, hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, episode 20. This week's episode. Oh, f- I did it again. <laughs> Hello and welcome. Oh, the God, I yelled. Hello and welcome to the better. Okay. God damn it. Take 36. All right. Whoop, 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 whoop. Silence. This episode is over Charles Dickens. <laughs> say today. <sighs> Just say today. I don't want to say today. All right, you don't have to say today. Hello and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, episode 20. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. I am Ryan, and with me is my good buddy and fellow host, Jacob. Yes, hello, and welcome to the Better the Bookshelf podcast, our little book club, book cult, book something or other. This is going to be a fun episode. Yes. This is going to be our Christmas edition, and it's also going to be fun because, uh, you know, after about 30 takes of trying to get through this intro... Oh my gosh. I think we're ready. This is, this is, this is going to be a little relaxing episode. Um, but it is going to be a traditional episode. We do have a book for you guys, albeit not necessarily uh, as dense of one as maybe that we've covered in the last few weeks. But uh, but yeah, pretty traditional episode. We're going to talk a little bit about the book. If we have any questions, we're going to tell you about the author. We're going to give you a brief summary. This is a story that most people have, uh, have consumed in some form of media one way or another. But uh, I do think that actually reading the source material had a little bit of uh, interesting nuggets with it as well. But yeah, traditional episode. And then it's going to go completely off the rails after that. Yeah, we're just going to be ourselves and and talk Christmas, which we haven't really done on this episode, like or on this podcast at all, because we always have like something we're like angling toward. We're talking about a book. And now it's just, it's a free-for-all. So yeah, this will be, I'm excited about we'll that. have a little bit of addition of just sort of our Christmas thoughts or musings or whatever the hell yeah. pops in our head because we're reaching the end of the year. It's the holiday season. It's fun to talk about. It's fun to think about. And, uh, you know, we've only got after this episode one more for the rest of the year. And then we're into 2019, which is crazy yes. because, again, we haven't hit a full year yet of episodes, but it was about this time last year that we were kind of brainstorming everything up around this yeah so anyway traditional disclaimer ryan yes traditional disclaimer is that if you haven't read this book you should go pick this book up and read it if for no other reason than like this is just a popular thing uh and you need to understand it to read our podcast or listen to our podcast it is also a short read um super short. short um and I think it's highly enjoyable uh, having having read it um, as opposed to just watched all the movies and stuff growing up. So uh, go read the book, listen to the episode. That's the way book clubs work, yes. especially podcast form book clubs. Absolutely. I can't agree more. Charles Dickens. Yes. Author. Yeah. Uh, so he was uh, he was a prolific author, uh, wrote things like uh, Oliver Twist, Great Expectations, uh, Tale of Two Cities. Um, he was born in, um, in England in, uh, 1812, uh, and died in 1870. Um, I don't know if I want to say a whole lot more about, about Dickens. I feel like he's just sort of like a, a staple of, of English literature and, uh, yeah, so that's all that's all I'm gonna do. I wanna get onto the Christmas stuff. I know that the one thing that I've heard most about Dickens is kind of the he was very big on like social criticism or just kind of like yeah. lambasting a little bit of You the, get a lot of that in this well, actually. Yeah, uh, a lot of the sort of situations present in England at the time that he was writing. So I know yep. that that was an interesting little tidbit about him, I guess, compared to maybe some of his, you know, contemporaries. But yeah, it's Charles Dickens. I mean yeah. super prolific, you know. I don't know. I would I would wager to say that A Christmas Carol is probably his most well-known and or popular work. Yes. I'm trying to think what else would be. I mean, he obviously he has so many that are that are 
well known and recognized, but as far as a Tale of Two Cities translating, I, I mean, it just like the fact that a Christmas Carol has translated into so many other forms of media and is yeah. essentially like the Christmas tale, the quintessential story of Christmas that so much, uh, I don't know, it, it, it would be hard to think of any other work of his that is quite as maybe not, maybe influential isn't the right word, but just prolific. Yeah, I mean, I mean honestly, it's just super yeah. well known. Everyone, you know, within Western culture has probably heard some semblance of this, or at least, you know, some of the, you know, isms that have arisen from this book, whether it's sayings or whether it's, you know, just ideas or hell, even tropes and stories that you can kind of oh, originate yeah, from for sure. a lot of the stuff that comes up in here. So very, very quintessential Christmas book. Yeah. So let's get to the summary. Let's do it. Real quick. A Christmas Carol is the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, an elderly, greedy businessman who undergoes a transformation after being visited by the ghost of a former business partner and three other spirits of Christmas, past, present, and future. That's a concise summary. That's it. All right. We're done with the book. That's it. I will say this. Okay. Obviously, this is the first time I've read through the book. You know, I've, I've seen numerous movies or, or, yeah. or made for TV movies. And, and I'll have a little ranking for that here in a sec that I, I think will be interesting. Uh, all right. I've also managed to see, um, I'm trying to think at least two live versions performed, uh, in a, in a theater setting. One was okay. at a very small, we have a little thing in Dallas called the pocket sandwich theater. Yeah. It's just kind of like a little like dining and small. A lot of times they do improv comedy there. Or they do a lot of like improv stuff there, but, uh, this was maybe three or four years ago. They were having a pretty much a classic Dickens retelling of okay. A Christmas Carol. I saw it there. And then I want to say I've seen it. I want to say I've seen it at another, in another form in theater, but I think it was like, you know, high school or, or yeah. like, I think it was like a middle school performance or something like that, which again can be fine. Not yeah. like, you know, professionals or anything like that. But obviously the most famous versions that I, that I had, heard of the story before getting into the book were the numerous reproductions via film and TV and other things. And so before we get into it, I want to know yes. which of the versions of this story before reading the book. I'm assuming this is the first time you've read the book, right? Yeah, actually it is. Okay. Um, I think I might've read like excerpts in like a college, like, Eng- or I'm sorry, a high school English class. Yeah. But that seems a little foggy to me. So I- I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, so yeah, like me, I- I'm pretty sure movies were the first, thing that I had consumed this story from. Yes. So I'm just going to read a list of the versions of this that I've seen. Okay. And you're welcome to add any perhaps that maybe you've seen that I don't cover. Okay. And then before we get into the actual book, we're going to power rank these uh, these versions All just right. because I'm a big guy when it comes to lists. Okay. Far and away, I believe the first time I ever saw this was 1992 Muppet Christmas Carol, Michael Caine, The Muppets. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Can't go wrong. One of my favorite Christmas movies, and we'll get to that later too. Okay. Uh, a lesser known version that I actually remember a lot was the made for TV version in 1999 with Michael Caine. Yeah. Um, now not a direct, not in like a, a Wait, direct retelling, but did you say Michael Caine, you meant Patrick, Stewart? Patrick Stewart. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Michael Caine is just yeah, yeah, yeah. screwed all the time. <laughs> no, Patrick Stewart of Star Trek and X-Men and yes. various other movie fame, uh, is Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, in 1990, or excuse me, 1988, we had Scrooge, which was kind of a modern sort of retelling of the story with Bill okay. Murray. I never saw that it's one. It's good. It's pretty good. Um, and then recently, there was the 2009 one, the all animation one that was done with uh, Jim Carrey in it. Hmm. I don't think I saw really, that one Really, really good, I think. Very, okay. very much like a true to the story and, and Dickens version retelling. And then I think... One that, probably not the very first one I've seen, but the one that I saw when I was in school, and I think maybe similarly to you, there was a, a 1951 version in black and white yeah. of A Christmas Carol with uh, Alistair Sim. I have no idea as far as like other acting roles, what he's done. I just know that he was Ebenezer Scrooge, and I kind of like remember the weird like grimacing yeah. sort of just, I don't know, the weird, it's it, it's interesting to see like the different versions of Scrooge amongst these and how sure. sort of the characters uh, or the person that's playing them sort of takes on that role. So any other versions that you can think of perhaps that you've seen? Uh, I think I remember seeing one that was like a Disney version with Donald Duck maybe, but 
Probably. I don't know. That well, there is Scrooge McDuck, so I'm sure that like his Yeah, maybe maybe I'm confusing that well, I feel like character. He, he probably that character was born out of, you know, a Christmas carol to some extent, or maybe a Disney version of it. I can't say for sure. I actually don't know. I think that I think that the I know that I've seen um, one live action one that was that was very old in school, and it might yeah. be the might be the one you referenced. And then the only one I know that I've seen absolutely for certain is Muppets. Yeah. Um, so I can't even power rank these because what about the TV one with Patrick uh, Stewart? Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one, but I don't really remember anything of it other than you know Patrick Stewart. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, I mean Muppets would be at the top of my power rankings. Uh, if I had to, what are your power rankings you know, so if, you can educate me on which I'm one If I'm going to just based on gut, right? If I'm not going on any sort of discernible uh, quality of approach, if I just had to power rank them, yeah, Muppets is at the top for me. Okay. Classic, quintessential. They've made a little bit of creative changes from the story to fit kind of the Muppet, you know, yeah. theme. Um, mostly with... Uh, a lot of the choices with the the ghost of Christmas present and there towards the end when it's a little bit more kind of morbid or a little bit darker than yeah. than you would think in in some of the other stories, but that's the top for me. Second, surprisingly, the 2009 version with okay. Jim Carrey, fantastic. Then I would say probably 99, then 51, and Scrooge with Bill Murray, funny. I'd probably put it somewhere between the 99 and 51 versions, though. So okay. there you go. Well, it sounds like I need to see the Jim Carrey version then. It's try, really good. Try to round out my Christmas Carol uh, movie yeah. watching. He play, well, he plays Ebenezer Scrooge, and then he also plays you know the ghost of past and the ghost of present. Oh, so excellent. So it's just it's, it's an interesting little dynamic that's going on there. But Excellent. Let's get to the book. Let's get to the book. And I want to talk about something that okay. was just sort of my... Like first impression. So when when I think of like English lit now being you know removed from from yes. actually being forced to read this stuff, um, although I guess you know Virginia Woolf you know is is somewhat in a similar vein. Um, I I was surprised at how approachable and easy and enjoyable. Uh, this was to read. I expected it to be a little bit like you know archaic, and there there were some like archaic, you know, terms Dialogue. or like social yeah. things, right? But um, nothing that like had me you know jumping on Google and like you know figuring out like what is what is this reference or whatever. And I get part of that's probably just getting a little older and you know exposure to to more information and stuff. But um, I was I was a little bit surprised in myself that I enjoyed this. Um, as easily as uh, as I did as we were reading through it. Yeah, no, I I agree. As far as something being as dated as this, I mean, this was written in 1842, yeah. so you know, super super easy to think that it would be dated and and very difficult to kind of get in there. But yeah, like you said, a lot of the a lot of the the language or the the turns of phrase or you know the things you, you have context clues kind of based on what you've already seen from, you know, watching movies right. uh, within that time period, specifically, you know, A Christmas Carol yeah. or uh, just other works that allow you to kind of have that background knowledge to know what they're talking about when they're when they're saying these sorts of things. So, yeah, yeah. no, I agree. It was definitely uh, a lot more approachable than I thought it would be. I mean, like I said before we started the episode, I think I maybe sat down and read this whole thing in something like two hours, two hours and some change. Yeah. So pretty light read, pretty easy to get through. And, um, yeah, I will say I did appreciate some of the detail is kind of the word, but also at the same time, just little things that are omitted that whenever you get out of like consuming books that have been translated into, into movies and like, just the little extra added nuances to scenes, especially, um, when we look at uh, Ghost of Christmas Present. And right. I remember from the 2009 version, again, it's been years since I've seen any of them probably besides the 2009 version. I think I saw yeah. that, you know, 2010. So okay. eight years or so. Um, but just the... I, I never remembered having watched, you know, previously, I never remembered a lot of the kind of dark elements of yes. the of the ghost of christmas present there towards yeah. towards the end of his stay with Ebenezer and just like sprinkled throughout like i remembered him sort of 
mocking him with when he shows sort of concern over Tiny Tim and and, and all these other things, yeah. and sort of mocking him with his comments that he had earlier in the book about yeah. prisons and yeah. you know culling of the population, but yep. especially just with the two children with ignorance and want. I didn't remember that. I didn't either at all. Yeah, and so that was interesting, and that was kind of a I don't know. It was a this book seemingly was a little bit more philosophical than I than I thought it was going to be, or a little bit a little bit more depth beyond just the idea of hey being you know watching the, the Ebenezer sort of transform and you know be a better person by looking on to sort of the fondness in his past and maybe yep. some of the mistakes and all those things that have happened and looking kind of the world around him and the effects that he has and you know where his future is headed so yeah I, I think we should we should talk about that um, a little bit more in depth one thing I wanted to, to point out that surprised me um, was some of the more like like humorous and lighter like tones of things. So even like the second paragraph of the, uh, of the book where, um, you know, it starts off talking about, um, how, uh, Marley is, is dead as a doornail. And then the narrator Dickens, um, as I recall, Dickens is always his own narrator. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he goes, mind, I don't mean to say that, uh, that I know of my own knowledge, uh, what there is particularly dead about a doornail and then goes on to say like, I'd, I'd call it a coffin nail, uh, but not to, not to mess with convention. We'll just, we'll just call it a doornail. Sure. And immediately, yeah, like, like those little moments, but especially that one, I was like, Oh, so this, this is, this is kind of humorous. I I had actually had a good chuckle about that. I was in bed. My wife was like, heck is wrong with you? Yeah. I'm like, no, no, it's funny. Dickens is funny. It's uh, it's fine. Everything's okay. Um, so yeah, I, I, there there was definitely some some moments of of levity in here too. But let's let's talk a little bit about the about the psychology because you know we we don't necessarily need to like break down the the whole the whole narrative. Um, but you know, I think that there is a concept here um, that is you know applicable in in our day and age, especially when people are so you know, career minded and focused on, uh, success and monetary gain and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, um, the message, at least, you know, to me through, you know, leveraging the, the sort of Christmas day, uh, you know, image is that, uh, it is noble, more noble and more important to, you know, give back and to, uh, to be present, Oh, absolutely. And like completely, I was in agreement, and I was thinking of whenever Marley comes back and visits uh, Scrooge and yeah. they're kind of having a little bit back and forth. And the one thing he says, and this is on page 25, if you wanted to follow along with me, Ryan. Okay. Uh, Scrooge just said, but you're always a good man of business, Jacob, uh, faltered Scrooge, who now began to apply this to himself. Business, cried the ghost, wringing his hands again. Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Which is interesting, because it's, you know, you do get very, and from an applicable standpoint to kind of like try to pull things out of here and into, you know, our own lives and our own existences, you know, you find yourself a lot of times being super hyper-focused on maybe your professional success or maybe your own kind of goals and, and, and very sort of hyper-focused on yourself and kind of whatever is in your own little bubble and situation. And yep. I don't think that's necessarily, you know, fundamentally bad, but I think that if you have that without a greater understanding of like your effects on sort of humanity as a whole or the society as a whole or the people that you're relating to, or just kind of your role as a person to, to, to be helpful, to be generous, to just to, to respect and, and, and try to care for the people that are around you, you know, that that is an incomplete and uh, seemingly and ultimately, you know, something that will lead to your doom whether you believe it in this life or the next right you know he carries around all of this his chains and his burdens of being so self-minded and so you know uh essentially striving towards only one goal without taking into consideration all the things that are going on around and and charity and 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 looking after your fellow man and things of that nature so yeah and i I think it's it's something that and we've talked about it on the podcast before and I, i i can't remember which which book it was now that we that we mentioned it but i think it's something that you know our generation is is sensitive to because 
you know, are the generations before us, specifically like the baby boomers, like there is this, you know, American dream, right? It is owning a house, owning a car, like providing for your family, uh, going to college, um, you know, doing doing and having nice things. Um, but I think for for most people, uh, it is it is a highly individualistic goal, right? Um, yep. I think you see it in, in corporations too. Um, you know, generally corporations tend to uh, cater to their bottom line more than than their people, and you start you've started to see the last you know decade or so where corporations are starting to be more minded about their employees, and you know whether that's uh, you know perks or days off or you know flexible schedules, whatever. Um, you're starting to see some of these things change, and so I, I think that um, you start to see in our generation um, a a change to and by our generation I mean millennials uh, a, a change that you know we don't necessarily see the American dream uh, as our sort of purpose like our parents did or or even their parents um, that you know we are conscientious consumers we you know are people who think about you know wh- where our stuff comes comes from where it's going when we're done with it what it means to to own a certain brand or you know su- support a certain uh, thing. Um, so I, I think that that, um, is a message that unexpectedly like resonated with me when you think about like the psychology of, of, you know, the ghosts and, and them trying to pull, you know, Scrooge into basically into society, into his family. So he's, you know, um, a, a part of them and it wasn't, you know, about money and stuff. Um, but just, you know, being present. Sure. I mean, and yeah, I, to the same extent, I guess with, a more modern look in, in business and things. You you see it all, all over the place as social enterprises are popping up now where it's not even so much that corporations and companies are being more mind mindful about sort of their employees or the things that they're doing or the ramifications on society at large. You have now like industries and businesses that are being formed with the sole intent to have a socially conscious element within their business model. Right. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's built into the core of, you know, the things that they're building. And I think that if you look at sort of how things trend towards the future, I think that social enterprise is going to be the like main um, you know, entrepreneurial movement of at least people within our relative age bracket, yeah. the guys that are going to come up, that that's just going to be the norm, that any business that you start, anything that you create, that there's going to be a socially conscious element to it because I think that that now reaches, I think you have a, a higher degree of consumers now that are wanting that in your product. And I think that that's another opportunity outside of just what your product is or what your service is or what this is that allows you to differentiate yourself from competitors. And I think that that's a positive. And yeah. at the same time, you know, if people want to want to quote unquote weaponize that to differentiate themselves from their competitors, you know, if it means one of those things that your company now sort of has an intrinsic part of it, that's, that's trying to be mindful of that, then, you know, good for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think that, uh, I think that's, a, it's an important thing to think about, um, kind of as, as, as you read through this and, you know, any, anytime that you approach a book, um, like this, that has like, I mean, this, this has a moral, right? Absolutely. It, it is, it is a moral tale. And, uh, and you know, I, I, it's surprising that, you know, something written, you know, uh, 150 years ago is, you know, still very like relevant in, in themes and, and all of that. Well, almost 170 years ago. Oh yeah. Wow. 150. Good, 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 good <laughs> 1992. Math. Good, ba- good math. Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, okay. So I have almost 180 years ago. Excuse me. I have, I have a random, I'm terrible at math. Well, real quick. Uh, Cause you were, yeah. you were talking about it, you know, yeah. I guess like relating to things that we had talked about in another book. And I actually just kind of got uh, a relation. I know one of the things that we talked about when we were talking about a hundred years of solitude is the idea of isolation, right? Whether yeah. that yeah. it's not just like a physical presence thing, that it's also kind of a mentality thing Yep. and there are elements, uh, within your personality and the way that you interact with others that can kind of, or, or even just obsessions that allows you to be isolated. And you see that a lot in the themes in this book with yep. kind of Scrooge's obsession with, you know, seeking out wealth as, as a means of substance through whether it's his fear of being poor or fear of having to want, or just, you know, whatever that, uh, whatever that like obsessive nature of it is, is what drives him to be isolated from, Bell from yeah. you know people in his from Fred from people in his family from I guess just population at large he's kind of isolated himself and you know at the core of it 
isolation is never a it's it's never truly a good thing to happen to an individual right. at least you know having that having that element of connectivity to a community it doesn't have to necessarily be like the world at large or a connection like that but yeah whenever you isolate yourself whenever you allow yourself to be so hyper focused on something that it it takes you away from connection with the people around you then you just you lose touch with yourself you lose touch with reality and really it just it has the potential to send you on this spiral towards you know the end that we see for or the the end that could be that we see for Scrooge where it's essentially no one cares people are more relieved that he's dead anyone that was close to him is trying to you know steal and profit off of yep. you know whatever they have left and he has nothing to show for it in the end you know and then the the interesting thing I, I got to thinking about was um i found myself uh wondering why you know scrooge just hold away all this money yeah like he didn't spend it on himself he didn't do it to be extravagant um you know, whatever. And it kind of bothered me as like, as like a character motivation, right? Sure. Is like, why, why would he feel this is, this is necessary to, to hoard, uh, hoard this stuff and to, and to alienate himself. And then, you know, I sort of got to thinking, you know, bigger, well, like it, it doesn't really matter because sometimes the things that we covet, um, you know, it doesn't matter how we, uh, why or you know how we do those things so much as the the effect that it has on on us and um, so I kind of came to terms with that but that was kind of a gripe that it was sort of churning in my head as I was as I was going through I'm like why is he this way in in the first place it just I don't know didn't make a lot of sense uh, to me but I had a random question I was gonna ask you. okay uh, did and, and and this might be just misremembering, you know, some of the the movies and stuff that I've seen in the past. But I always had this impression that um, that Scrooge was uh, like harder to make an impression on as he was as the ghosts were were taking him places. And I felt like uh, like very early on with with the first ghosts of, of Christmas past that um, he was very quickly able to like, you know, start to feel like regret and remorse absolutely, and, and kind of want to change. Did that strike you as weird when you were reading this or no, am I just misremembering the I, way the movies went? I think it's, well, yeah, you see a lot of the, you see a lot of that within, within the movies, at least from what I can remember again, haven't seen a lot of them in so long, but it was a little bit, uh, shocking that seemingly after, I mean, with with Marley less, he was more so just frightened and wanting yeah. to kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, to to get out of that situation or or whatever, you know, fear that he had for his own potential existence ending up. You know, Marley's right in front of him, and he says, "Well, you know, your chain was this long seven years worth, you know, ago, yeah. and I could only imagine today." So, but yeah, it, it was a little strange that immediately when he's in, you know, he's in the past and he's reflecting on his boyhood home and how he could navigate everywhere and he's kind of like you know he's sad about his days at the boarding house and he you know how much he loved fan and and yeah Fezziwig and and all of these other things yeah it, it was a little surprising how quickly he at least the wheels were turning as far as bringing him back from his degree of isolation I don't really think that everything clicked until he got to the present and you had those yeah. more sort of morbid elements that were there to immediately sort of like the way that you're feeling right now, we're going to juxtapose that with stuff that you had said earlier yeah. uh, about, you know, your kind of thoughts and the situation and, and, you know, having this look into Cratchit's life and seeing this juxtaposed with, you know, the disposable idea of like who he is to you and, yeah. and all these other things. So yeah, it was, it was a little surprising how, how early on and how easily and readily he was sort of open to these ideas. But at, at the end of the day, I think that that's true to humanity because as hard nosed as we are, or, you know, again, I can speak for myself here as, as hard nosed and stubborn as I can be about something. I'm very, whenever I start thinking about, or whenever I take time out of my day to kind of get away from, you know, the things that consume your thoughts and you get onto more sort of, open and, and, and worldly ideas, or you start thinking about elements in your past that have led you to the, to the place you are now and, and, and start thinking about, you know, where you're going to be in the future, then yeah, it's easy to kind of have emotional sway here or there. I mean, this book really is about, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, every story is about this, but you know, again, a, a heavily time 
you know, related book where we, you know, it's thinking about the things that you've done and how, you know, they're immutable. They're in the past. They can't change, you know, whatever, right. whatever anger he has towards the the spirit of Christmas past. It's, he's just showing them things that have happened. There's nothing right. that can change in the present in the same sense as the present. The present is you can't change, but we're showing you everything that is currently leading up to what could be for you in the future. Yeah. I also got to thinking if there was, if there was somebody that, you wanted to send a message to like if you were marley um which if you could only send one ghost past present or future which ghost would you want to send that person it's that's tough because i think that they work perfectly in tandem and i think that that's you know if you're trying to Man, that is tough because it would depend on the person. Yeah. It would depend on what their feelings were about their past, what their feelings were about the current situation, or their fear for like their own outcomes. I yeah. think from an emotional level of trying to bring someone to to thinking, I think that past is the foundation for everything. Yeah. Um, I think that in this story, especially like his experiences with the ghost of Christmas past sort of set that foundation and present, I think is when you have the big turning point as far as like his mindset. Right. And then future is just, you know, he doesn't even, the ghost doesn't talk. It's, it's all essentially, you know, pointing and him, him sort of inferring based on things that are happening and him sort of, you know, rhetorically asking questions that he may or may not know the answers to or have a feeling about or things of the nature. So I would say past probably okay. just because I think that's the foundation for, evaluating everything else i was i was thinking about sending the the ghost of christmas or just the ghost of future i guess just because i would hope that somebody could like recollect their their own past enough although sometimes you know it's it's hard to get people to like to think on things and to like and and we talked about you know memory being you know sometimes a trap too because you skew things yeah the imperfections yeah um so but I think that there is some uh, some something kind of horrifying about you know the way that the the ghost takes him around and and does just point at things and he sees like his own mortality and like the way that he's remembered yeah. and so I th- I think for me like whatever the situation was um, I think that I would I would send the future ghost just to scare the piss out of whoever it was. Fair enough. Okay, you're a little bit more hammer and nail. I'm a or, little bit or, I or like... I guess I guess maybe to to prove them right and and, and maybe me wrong and, and whatever. Wow. It is. So you would just be a vindictive Marley, is what you're saying. You're just like, well, I'm already dead and I'm suffering, so send the ghost well, of the future to scare you straight. And no, if not, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's it is a scared straight thing. Yeah. Uh, but I I don't know. Um. What else did you have that you wanted to talk about with I this mean, book? Uh, in in a sense, the the big thing I had was just sort of in the same vein as you, albeit a little bit different, is which ghost or which, I guess, in trying to relate to your own sort of thoughts or your own or your own life, which of the three would be, I guess, more impactful for you, or which which of the three. Which of the three made you, if if any of them made you, like take a moment outside of just reading the book to relate to your own sort of life? Because I I know I did for yeah. all three, but which I think did you possibly have a moment or two even after reading that you thought about? I guess in relation to your own life, I I got to thinking about the uh, the the present because you know that's that's really the only one that you have any sort of you know impact over sure. and, and guarantee of. Uh, future can always be a, a very near, you know, uh, present, upcoming present, yeah. uh, depending on where you are in your life, I suppose. But one one thing I just I think about so often is, um, you know, whether or not that I'm, you know, saying or doing the things that I that I mean to do, like sure. you know, in, in in real time, you know, like tell my wife I love her several times a day. Um, you know, I just feel like it's it's something that you know, I just, uh, I want to be present for, you know, that, that relationship always. And, um, you know, by this, by the same token, like, you know, with, with whether it's the people that I work with or, um, you know, family, I am 
probably hyper, you know, sensitive to, you know, making sure that I have positive relationships and positive experiences yeah. to the extent that I can, you know, I can manage those things. Um, so yeah, I, 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 to see him get, get carted around and see, uh, Cratchit's wife, um, talking about, um, talking about him and, you know, how terrible it is. Like that's, that's my fear is that like, you know, I've said something or done something. Yeah. yeah, That, that somebody's at home, you know, after work, like, can you believe what, what Ryan said today or did today? Um, like that, that one to me was, was really gut wrenching. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In the same vein. I am, in a lot of ways, like Ebenezer, I'm very sentimental about uh, about the past, and I think to some extent we all are. Like everybody yeah, has sort of sure. those moments that are keystone moments in your life that lead you towards the development of who you are, good, bad, otherwise. And the future is obviously one of those things that it's always kind of a, you know, it's always kind of a what if. And I think if you fixate too much on the future, you know, I think um, the key is kind of acknowledging the past understanding the future and then like acting in the present really yeah. so yeah in the same vein i would probably say the present just being able to see like what your actions are doing now or what the people that are at least you know in your life you know whether it's your estranged or not super <laughs> estranged nephew but you know your family yeah. what they think or you know the people you work with or just the people that you generally have in your periphery yeah so i i would agree present for me would probably be the one that when I got out of this book, I kind of just related on and, and reflected on the most and just very aware of. All right. Should we rank this thing? Should we put it on our shelf? You got nothing else for me? I mean, it's a short book. Yeah. Obviously we didn't have, you know, two hours of deep diving into, well, what did Dickens mean when he said, well, I'm, I'm know, just more, I'm just more anxious to get to, you want to get to Christmas, Christmas shenanigans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to go first? I feel like you've got a spot in your mind ready to go for this bad boy. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll go first. I'll put this, uh, I'll put this middle shelf. Yeah. Uh, with, with acknowledgement that, uh, that I want to read more Dickens. Um, and, uh, okay. I, yeah, I, I want to pick up one of his, one of his more lengthy works and, uh, and take a stab at that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, good book. It's just, you know, it's not one of those things that's like, you know, life changing or anything that deserves, you know, top, top shelf for me. Um, and part of that maybe is just that it's so like played out in like general, like society movies and, you know, school and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah. Middle shelf. Yeah, I mean the the Ebenezer Scrooge esque transformation story. Yeah, I don't know if if I can credit Dickens as the first person to think of this idea of of taking someone and and having this sort of moral, uh, supernatural moral experience. But right. uh, it certainly is the one that has kind of been the jumping off point, at least as far as I know, for uh, comparable themes or ideas or stories but yeah i'm keeping it as well and i'm also going to put it on the middle shelf um it's not a top shelf book for me just because it's not to the same vein it's not something that it's like a fundamentally like altering life altering reading experience i mean the characters are fine the lessons in here are fine it's something that i could see myself reading occasionally around christmas or you know reading to your family or something like that or you know, mostly watching movies or whatnot, but it's a good book. It was a, it was an interesting book, especially to take in, like I said, in, in the written form, there was a lot of little extra, just a little extra there as far as like the communication between Ebenezer and the ghosts and just little extra nuances with kind of the experiences primarily, at least what I, what I remember primarily in the, the present. Yeah. So agreed. Um, all right, so let's let's talk Christmas. Where does Christmas rank on your like all time like favorite holidays? Holidays? Oh man, it's tough. See, I have I have a few of my I, I have two holidays I think that are my two favorite holidays. Okay, and I, I would I would be fine saying that they're my favorite holidays because for slightly different reasons, Halloween and Christmas are probably my two favorite holidays. Okay. And then everything else is kind of beneath that. Thanksgiving is fine. Yeah. Easter, New Year's, St. Patrick's, all sorts of, you know, 4th of July, things like that. Yeah. Halloween is is always good for me because of uh everything that I think of as far as just one element of my childhood. You know, a lot of a lot yeah. of the way that you view or at least the way that I view um 
holidays stems from just childhood experiences. Because Halloween, Agreed. it's not like I have a very recent sort of recollection of amazing Halloween tales or anything like that. You know, I've done some Halloween parties and some some uh, some dressing up occasionally, but that's one of those things that I'm kind of in the age bracket now that whenever I have kids, Halloween will probably come back around to being a lot different light for me. But Christmas, Christmas is up there for me in the same vein for sentimental reasons, but uh, that just is more so, I don't know, just... I, I just remember fan like family experiences and just little weird nuances and just the things you, you remember you remember kind of Christmas as a whole and I remember there's like a series of Christmases that just sort of blend in together like there's not yeah. like decipherable moments from like a lot of Christmases that are blend in and then there's those Christmases when you're a kid whether it's a certain gift that you got or you remember something special about like what happened that day or what you did with your family or just you know some little nuance there that kind of like lodges itself in your mind that, that separates that one in and of itself. But yeah, I don't know. Christmas is just, Christmas has always been a very like sentimental experience and holiday for me. I agree. Do you have a a favorite like Christmas memory or like a gift or like a moment? I mean, God, you know, when I when you're a kid, you're dumb, right? And so yeah. you fall for the same gag like three years in a row. Okay. But my favorite gag that my mom used to always pull on Christmas Day, whenever she would give us, you know, me and my sister, we'd come out and we'd all sit around the tree and we'd yeah. have cocoa, we'd open our presents, whatever. Literally, I don't understand how as a child I didn't like it'll work one time and then it'll it should never work again, right? Yeah. My mom always had this gag of she would give us all our presents, whatever, and it'd be like, Oh, Merry Christmas, whatever, and we'd be fine. And we'd gather up the wrapping paper and I'd put it in, you know, a trash bag and she'd be like, Hey Jake, can you go take this outside to go put it in the trash can? I'd be like, Yeah, okay, okay. And as I'm going to take it out, I'd open the door, and of course, like the one gift that I really wanted was like right out on the <laughs> on the porch. And she would one year it was a bike, one year it was a um, a razor scooter, and then one year it was a guitar, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" And you would think that I would, you would think like after that second year of it happening, that the next year, you know, maybe I'd be a little bit prepared for it. Yeah, but I don't remember exactly what happened the year after that when it didn't happen. When my mom finally decided to stop pulling the whole like bait yeah, and switch yeah. trick because. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was one of those things she was like, well, now he knows this trick. So instead, we're just going to give him all of his presents now. He's going to be yeah. like, oh, my God, did she get me like a robot or something? Like, I got everything I wanted. What would be out on the porch? So, yeah, those are pretty good ones. There was another time I remember um, one of the few times where all of my extended family was together. We were at my grandmother's house in Tyler. Uh-huh. And so, of course, you know, she's got like a three bedroom house and you have eight aunts and uncles there yeah. and like, you know, upteen amount of 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 grandchildren or whatever. So we're all just like camped out in the, in the living room or whatever. Yeah. And I remember at the time, my grandmother, we had just come back from uh, a church service. Like they're, they're like midnight service or whatever. Yeah. yeah they call yeah. it that, but it wasn't. And so we're all tired and she's ushering us back and trying to put us down to like sleep. So like quick, she's like, you guys gotta get to bed. Santa's going to be here like super soon. You have to go to bed. You have to go to bed. I don't want you guys to miss this. I don't want you guys to get presents. So we're all like freaking out. We're like, <laughs> we gotta get home. We gotta lay down for Santa. And so of course she's like, she's like, well, you guys can't like, we had been like the day before we had been sleeping in the living room, which yeah. is where the tree was. Yeah. She's like, you can't, you can't sleep in here. Like you, what if, what if you wake up in Santa sees you might not get your tricks. So we're like, oh my God, we're freaking out so we're like <laughs> move so we all get moved into the the other room away from the tree and the fireplace and all this stuff yeah and i remember um my grandmother just loved like she just would go all in on this stuff and yeah, like mess yeah. with us so like in the middle of the night she didn't even know if we were awake or not yet yeah but in the middle of the night she would go like in the other room and like tramps like trapes around and like like bump into the tree or stuff to make noise in case we were awake we'd be like Ugh! like freaking out or something like that and you can just awesome. hear all this stuff. She'd be dragging stuff across the ground to like just make it like sound oh like gosh. Santa's in there, just piling us up with 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 toys. And I remember that explicitly, like having that moment of waking up and like being panicking because I'm like in my sleeping bag. <laughs> and I'm like Santa's in the other room, but I like want to go in there, but I can't. And I'm glad I didn't because you know it yeah, ruined yeah, yeah. it would have ruined the mystery for me. But that's the kind of person my grandmother was. She was yeah. she was she was all in whenever it came to Christmas and just like all about the grandkids and whatnot. So man, my my uh, my favorite memory is is pretty similar. Um, although because my family's German, so we always do Christmas Eve, like Christmas day for us is just like lounging around. Like we don't do gifts yeah. or anything. It's all on Christmas Eve. So, um, we would always go to church, um, and then, you know, leave my mother and my grandmother behind under the guise of, you know, they're not ready. Uh, and, uh, 
so then, you know, we go to church. We're, we're obviously hyped because we know to get home. Santa's been there for us and, you know, whatever. And uh, one year um, they went to the they went to the extent of we had like really like modern furniture, like everything yeah. in this room was like white, including the carpet, like plush carpet that was bright snow white. They took my dad's snow boots and stamped them in the fireplace ash and put them on the white carpet like a couple steps into the living room. Uh, you know, so there were these boot prints and then, you know, the milk and cookies thing. So uh, the way this this worked, you know, we got home, like we, we always ran into the living room, saw the presents and stuff and uh, saw the boot prints and like we're losing our damn minds. But then it's like, OK, we got to sit down and, and eat first. Yeah. So we always had like uh, we had like German cold cuts and and knockwurst and all, all this stuff. So we're sitting in the in the dining room just like bouncing off Freaking the walls out, yeah. like you know we want to go in there and like inspect the boot prints and and all this shit so uh but yeah that was i just my my family did the same thing like we were we were always all in on uh on holiday stuff and it was i, I think that's the thing i like the most about christmas is like uh and halloween too because you know you you can go all in on absolutely you know, decorations and it's not just like you know, like Fourth of July is a day, right? Yeah. And you know, but Halloween is a month. Christmas is a month. Like it is like a whole like mini. Little, There's a lot of buildups. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 greatness. Um, so and I think and and we'll get into this. I think this ties into a little bit we're talking about. Yeah, what makes Christmas unique too to me, and you know, Halloween kind of in the same vein, but Christmas what makes it so unique? It's it's such a it goes so beyond just like the actual holiday. There's like movies dedicated to it there's music dedicated to it there's all sorts of just weird you know decorating yep. your house you don't decorate your house really all that much for yeah fourth of july or yeah you know you might put a flag, a flag up yeah or saint patrick's day you know there are all yeah. these other holidays that you don't really do a whole lot of decorative effort but there are people that go crazy yeah about christmas and yeah. just all of the effort behind just having this like family or, or even just having kind of all this, this for one moment and, and one kind of little time at the end of the year, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I think kind of gives Christmas the edge of just every other holiday. It's just crazy because there's so much effort and energy and excitement and just joy that goes into it. And, and yeah, I I'm with you, but, but there are also things that I find annoying okay about such Christmas. as well i want to get into our uh, our list of of things okay so what we did for for this episode um we came up with some categories of, of things that we liked uh and then things that we think are not that great about each of these these different holiday uh traditions yes foods drinks whatever so i'll i'll start with uh We'll start with movies since we we started with oh, talking about movies. Love Christmas movies. Uh, I do too. I I think that uh, when they're good, they're amazing. When they're bad, they're awful. Yeah. Um. So I think the worst Christmas movie I've ever seen is Jack Frost. I was about to say this: the Michael <laughs> Keaton when yes. he turns into a snowman. Yeah, that one's pretty bad. I found that one awful and I mean, terrifying as a child jingle all the way is a terrible movie but it has that like 90s like sinbad and arnold schwarzenegger charm oh, yeah that just kind of makes one. it work yeah. but but if you look at it from a from like an evaluation standpoint awful movie yes but yeah, i don't hate it uh yeah but jack frost is i couldn't do that one there uh the santa claus movies got weird too um whoa, with, whoa, okay with, whoa, whoa, whoa. with tim allen and after uh, hang on you better exempt the first one I was gonna say the one with uh, was it Martin Short who was, that was like the third one? It's okay. Jack Frost. Yes, that was that was really just weird. Um, yeah, any sequel, any any Christmas movies that have garnered some semblance of a sequel, whether it be cartoon or not, it's just it's no, it never works. Uh, I would throw Home Alone in there uh, as Home Alone one was greatness, and the Lost in New York was the second one. Yeah. Not good. Not not as good. Lost its luster quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, did they make a third one? They made like eight of them. Oh, well, They're they, not they all... switched out of like Macaulay Culkin after that, right? Like they once he got past the. I think he was only in the first two. Yeah. If I'm if I'm correct, yeah. The yeah. third. I mean, all of them. I don't know if they're still centered around taking place at Christmas time, but the concept doesn't really make sense that you would have multiple sequels. At some point, they gotta 
they got to realize that they're leaving this fucking kid behind. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't just be stuck at home again. <laughs> it's like, oh, Kevin's not here again. I know you have, I know you have like nine kids, but come on. Yeah. Like, Twice is enough. You'd, you'd notice. Once is enough, if I'm being honest. That, that they're missing. All right. What are, what are your worst Christmas movies? I mean, those are kind of the ones movie. that we hit. That's okay. the thing. Um, the bad ones are so bad, it's hard not to. The bad ones are really bad. There is one. Here's here's a pretty contentious thing. Okay. Because okay. this is a Christmas movie that is not universally loved, but pretty close to it, that I'm just not a fan of. Elf. With Will Ferrell. I know a lot of people that love Elf. I love the concept of it. I love the actors that are in it with James Caan and Bob Newhart. And it's, it, it has all of this like recipe for greatness and it just doesn't, I, it never worked for me ever. Man, that, uh, that's really disappointing. I, I, think, I think Elf is like an instant classic. Wow. Would you say top five in your Christmas movie criteria list? God. I would say top five funny Christmas movies, yes. Oh, funny. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I would have to. I would you have, have to, to differentiate between your your uh, your "It's a Wonderful Life" yeah. and your National Lampoon's Christmas Vacations. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I'd, I'd probably put it in top five. Of okay. all, all Christmas movies. All right, what would your top five look like? If you need a moment to think about this, I can hit you with mine because I okay, you, I bust this out all the time because okay. people are always very contentious about their Christmas movies. Okay, let's here's see my it. top five. Take it or leave it. It is what it is, in no particular order. A Muppet okay. Christmas Carol. Okay. The Santa Claus with Tim Allen, the first one. Okay. It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And then this one always seems to be the most contentious with people, but it's it's solidly in the top five for me. The live action Jim Carrey, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Those are my uh, top five. That's that okay. Uh, some honorable mentions. Uh, Home Alone, just the first yeah. one. Um. The 1967 Grinch, um, Nightmare Before Christmas, Bad Santa, and then I have two here okay. that I think are always that are interesting as well because they also have a lot of contentiousness behind them. How do you feel about a Christmas story? Uh, it's fine. I so it, it it's not on my excuse me not on my my top my top five. Uh, I feel like it's it's one of those Christmas movies you can watch a couple times. And then just get like the like social references, yeah. And then just be done with. Yeah, I hate it, and I hate the fact that it's like the TBS twenty four hours of yeah. Christmas with the Christmas story. It's it's awful. I can't stand it. Um, I understand why people love it as a Christmas movie, but me personally, it, I, I'm fine never seeing it again ever. I, I'm with you. And the other movie that's contentious, and this is obviously contentious with from a lot of people in a lot of ways because it's not a traditional Christmas movie. But there are people that say it's a Christmas movie, and I'm talking, of course, about Die Hard. What, oh, <laughs> where? What camp are you in? Are you in the it's a Christmas movie or it's not a Christmas movie? Because even no, the people, it's, even it's the, a movie that happens during even Christmas. the people that made it, because Bruce Willis, you know, obviously the star of it, said it's yeah. not a Christmas movie. The screenwriter yeah. for the for the movie said it's a Christmas movie. No, no, it's a movie that happens around Christmas time. So, what is your differentiation then between a movie happening during Christmas and a Christmas movie? Well. Uh, the Christmas has to be like a central character or theme in the movie itself. And the only way that it plays into Die Hard is just like his like situation with like the bank being closed or whatever they're robbing and uh, like th- his like separation from his family and all that. So yeah. like, yeah, no, that's not a Christmas movie. Anybody. Right. I mean, you're you're breaking some hearts right now. Yeah, that's, I'm, fine. that's fine. I am solidly in. The I'm gonna ride the fence camp on that, okay. and I have no strong feelings one way or the other. All right, my uh, my my top Christmas movies: uh, Elf, Elf at at number five. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, you've even got them ranked. Yeah, Home Alone, number three, number two, The Claymation Rudolph. Uh, Pretty good. I, I don't. I can't remember what it was called. Just Rudolph the Red Nosed uh, Reindeer. So I I watched that one at nauseum when I was a kid, and I I love that thing. Mm. And number one, all time, we watch it every single year as a family. It's a thing. Christmas Vacation. Absolutely. It National is, Lampoon's Christmas Vacation it, is greatness. It is the it's best. Pure greatness. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's, let's move on to music. Um, hot, hot Christmas music take. There hasn't yeah. been a... There have been two songs in the last 40 years... Uh, two Christmas songs released in the last 40 years that are worth a damn, and the rest can just be put in the trash for me. I'm a very traditional Christmas music kind of guy. I, I, I like where you're coming at. What are the two? 
All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Okay. It's a classic. And the other one it will surprise some people. Don't. It's Last Christmas by Wham. Uh, yeah, that, that one's not my favorite. It's pretty good. It's not my it's favorite. pretty good. Although I just like saying, Wham! Wham! <laughs> Uh, but yeah, when it comes to when it comes to Christmas music, I'm I'm solidly like a 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s kind of guy. Like I love that era of just like you have you have your covers and you have all of your like Christmas music was its own. Yeah. Like people would sell you know thousands of 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 albums of just Christmas albums, yeah. which is just crazy to me to think about. Okay, so my least favorite, I, I just went with songs okay. instead of renditions. Uh, but Little Drummer Boy yeah. is awful. Never got into that. Uh, Jingle Bell Rock, I think, is also awful. All right, get all right. Well, this podcast is over. All right, well, and uh, it's it's over between us. And, I love uh, I love Jingle Bell Rock. I can't do it. I it just oh. I don't want to rock at Christmas time. Uh, I I just I don't like my Christmas music. To, you hurt to my be, soul. To be so uh, so poppy. All right, and then uh, my most annoying, I think, is the Paul McCartney "Wonderful Christmas Time." Uh, yeah, that, that one doesn't do anything. That one for is me. that one's really really terrible. Although there are some artists that like I start to to get into that like I just really a yeah. song that I like by an artist I don't I f- I find problematic. What are your least favorite Christmas songs? Um, I mean, like I said, any I just any modern it, stuff, anything like modern or most modern renditions. Okay. They just they just pale in comparison to me. I like older versions and especially like especially specific renditions that are my favorites. But okay, I, I, you know, when it less so with with songs than with movies. I'm not as passionate about like the ones that I don't like. I just there are certain ones that I do like that are my like go to ones. Okay, what is what are your favorite ones? All right, again, in no particular order, if I had to do my top five favorite songs and or renditions. Okay. Christmas Song by Nat King Cole. Okay. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by Judy Garland. Excellent. Uh, Here Comes Santa Claus by Gene Autry. Okay. Uh, it's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas by Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. And I'll Be Home for Christmas by Frank Sinatra. Okay. Those are, those five... Put them up against any fu- that that's ooh that's dynamite right there that is that is pure nostalgic just Christmas crack you just pump it straight into my veins and I'll just be all about the season I love every single one of those so I I didn't rank mine uh well I, I did well mine aren't ranked they were just yeah. in no particular order uh my two favorite songs are I'll be home for Christmas um and White Christmas okay. Uh, and I will say that I think quintessential Christmas music is Bing Crosby. Oh, absolutely. I just, man. He has a, like, and, just the and, way his, his, you hear anything yes. by Bing, and it's just like, oh. It's just. I wasn't alive. For some reason, and this is what's crazy, and I, I wish I knew a term for what this was, and I'm sure it exists, but the idea of nostalgia for something that you didn't even experience, like, firsthand. Oh, there is a word for that. There's some word for I'll that. I'll think of it. Hang but on. But listening to, like, Listening to Christmas music from the 40s and 50s or yeah. listening to like Bing Crosby or something like that, it I don't know what it is because it's I obviously have no attachment to that time period because I wasn't alive. I have yeah. no firsthand experience or memories to really be sort of nostalgic for, but it, it just channels that something within you where you yeah. just have this weird nostalgia for something that happened before you were even born. Well, I know where I got mine from because uh, back in the 90s when we had like the multi-disc changer, which yeah. is like the coolest thing ever, we had like a you know, five-disc oh, rotation yeah. of Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Nat King Cole. Uh, I can't, there was like a mixed tape or a mixed CD, I can't remember now. And then there was just like a orchestral like... Uh, stuff sure, and so that's all we listened to. For oh, yeah. like an entire month back when all yeah. day, you know, back before Alexas and wireless speakers and whatnot. If like my grandparents, uh, they had like probably the first home speakers ever. God, yeah. those things were monsters, <laughs> heavy. They were in wooden boxes, you know, and uh, there was just speaker wire like awkwardly kind of strewn about the entirety of the house and kind of the living room to try to to try to play that music. But she'd always play uh, um, that. Oh, you know what song? Okay, I I I, I changed my mind. There is one other okay. song um, in the last thirty years, and it's "Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer." Yeah, no. I'm, my I'm my grandmother that. played that song a ton. Uh, I a get ton. I, I so get the, from a nostalgic standpoint, 
who is that? Is that uh that's not Ray Stevens, is it? I have no idea, man. I I could not I could not tell you. I think my my problem with that and and songs in a similar vein is it's like the stuff that we had to sing at Christmas concerts like in it is elementary Ray Stevens. school. It is Ray Stevens. My grandmother loved Ray Stevens. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, I just I, that stuff got played out like singing choir in in, uh, in elementary school. That's also the reason I don't like Jingle Bell Rock is is Fair because, because of choir. All okay. right. Um the worst food or treats for around Christmas time. I've never been a big fruitcake person, and uh, man, as much as it it pains me to say this, because I know again they're kind of like a ubiquitous Christmas thing. I love peppermint, but the actual like candy canes, I can't do them. <laughs> I hate candy canes, man. Uh, I I wrote down only those two things: fruitcake and candy canes. All right, good. <laughs> High yeah. five. Uh, can't yeah. reach across. Uh, all right, favorite Christmas treat. Favorite Christmas treat. Um, or food. I mean, <laughs> as sad as it is, it's the uh, the like uh, little Debbie Christmas tree. Oh yeah, like I used to cakes. get those my lunch. Oh, oh my yeah. god! Anytime it was the season and they pumped those out, yeah. it was just uh, there was we were not going a week to the grocery store without me getting a box of those. It just was not going to happen. So. Uh. Yeah, so my my favorite was uh, and still is. The, my family makes these like jelly cookies. I'm gonna yeah. make some for for the Christmas party. Wonderful. Uh, so they're they're like a flat sugar cookie on the bottom, uh, pretty thin. Then you put uh, like jam on top of that. Yeah. And then you have like a donut shaped uh, cookie that goes on top of that. And then you put icing around the the donut shaped thing. So it's. My like, teeth already hurt, dude. But they already it is, hurt. But it I is love delicious. It. And uh, yeah, we do like uh, we always do strawberry, grape, apricot, and uh, sometimes, sometimes we do raspberry, which which I loved. Uh, so those are that's my favorite. Yeah. Um, what about drinks? See, that's the thing. I I'm just kind of uh, when it comes to Christmas, what I'm thinking of as a kid, like it's quintessentially just eggnog, and I love eggnog. Yeah. So I there was never really a Christmas drink. Um, that I remember or that I've had since that I've just been like, meh. Um, I guess I'm not a big, you know, I'm not a big coffee drinker. So any of the kind of like peppermint mochas or yeah. like mint or, you know, cinnamon spiced coffee type drinks, those don't do anything for me. I think that eggnog is overrated. Although wow. I will okay. say, hear me out. I will say I still buy it every year yeah. and I have a glass and then I end up throwing the rest of it away. But eggnog, nutmeg, like the whole, the whole nine. Uh, I also think hot chocolate's overrated. Uh, it's just I'll I'll disagree on that as well. But I love hot chocolate. So, but my favorite holiday drink, and I don't I, I might be going out uh, out of bounds here a little bit. I think whiskey is the perfect holiday. Drink. Okay, I feel like that's that's not unique to Christmas. I feel like you drink whiskey year round. Yeah, no, so. I, I I do, but uh, I just I don't know. There's something about like just being able to like. Sip a glass of it's whiskey that, by the fireplace. Yeah, like, the warmth. Everybody's opening it's gifts that warmth is no longer like a drawback yeah. as it is, you know, the other seven eighths of the year. Exactly. Uh, all right. We had a couple left, but we're running out of time. Do yeah. you want to do either of the other ones? Otherwise, I have a a random story question to ask you. Oh, just decorations. Another thing that's contentious for me, I will say this really yeah. quick, when it comes to lights, I love Christmas lights on houses and all that stuff, and I love you know big lit Christmas trees and ornaments and all that stuff. Yes. But I have a hard set rule. Outside the house, Christmas lights, fantastic, all white. Yep. Inside the house, Christmas tree, fantastic, colored. Oh. That's, that's how I roll. Okay. That's how it has to be. All right. I actually don't like colored lights as a general rule of thumb. Uh... I don't know why, but I just I just don't. I don't like inflatables. That, no, that yeah. I think is is a cop out. Not a fan. Decoration, uh, and I think yeah, the ultimate. Yeah, I'm a lights guy. Like any of the yeah. like the like posts or stuff that you put in or signs or anything like that. Yeah, I just like lights. I like Same. nice clean like light up your trees, light up your house, light up like runners on the driveway or stuff like that. Maybe even the candy canes. Oh my god! In the nineties, trying to get, trying to find a house that didn't have the little like paths lit with the yeah. stupid candy canes or yeah. the icicle lights. Christmas light fads are probably the strangest thing to me about like Christmas decoration. These just like rotating fads of yeah. what's in. We had the we had one year. I remember we had uh, 
like floodlights outside the house. Yeah. My dad switched all the bulbs to like big red bulbs and we had a white house. So yeah. the whole whole house was 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 red. And then we also had red icicle lights. And as a kid it looked it looked really cool, but thinking on it as an adult probably looked kind of demonic. Yeah. <laughs> Have yourself a merry christmas. All right, the Church we, of Satan. We need to wrap you. this episode up, but we I do. I want to ask one last question. How did you find out Santa wasn't real? You know, that's the thing. I don't think there was ever a moment where I had like the the like come to, you know, the the talk, the come to Jesus moment, not to, <laughs> you know, throw a pun because of Christmas, but uh yeah, I don't know. I can't remember a specific instance where I found out he wasn't real. I just remember there was maybe a transitionary period somewhere between like second to like fourth grade where Santa was no longer like yeah you know I didn't I didn't want to go to the mall to take pictures with Santa and we weren't doing you know like oh you got to go to bed because Santa's coming type right, stuff right. it was more just like oh go to sleep and you'll get your gifts in the morning I remember I don't know for for me it was the year that Nintendo sixty four came out uh because that was our big present that year is the last thing we opened yeah and the tag said from Santa and then as soon as we opened it my mom was like. We had to go stand in front of Toys R Us at, at 5 a.m. in the morning uh, because these were, you know, selling out. And I was like, but it says from Santa. Oh, and my she was, gosh. And I, I, honestly, I was like, I don't even know, 10. Like, I was I was old enough that it should have already been apparent. And I think it probably was uh, on some level. Yeah. So that I was, wow. I cared for like maybe five seconds. And Thanks, I, Mom. But you're I like, oh, all right, whatever, 64. Yeah, exactly. It came with Star Fox. Who cares? Let's exactly. go. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, that is that is our our episode, our Christmas episode. Um, Want to wish obviously everybody uh, a happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Um, would say a happy New Year, but we have an episode coming out. We got one more on New Year's Eve. So yeah, if you're worried about how if you're hosting your your New Year's party this year and you're worried about what you're going to do for entertainment, we got you set up because we're going to be talking about a gentleman in Moscow. Yes. Which is our last book from this uh for our um, uh, year 1, I'll say of yeah. of the Better the Book Show podcast, your recommendation. We talked about it a little bit at the end of last episode. Yep. I'm super excited. I don't think I've been as excited for a book. Uh, this one I know that I've done this in the past where maybe I've gone a little bit too much on the hype train and, and, and set up a pre-expectation about what a book's going to be for myself, but I seriously don't think that this is going to be a letdown for me. Okay. So super excited to get into this book and talk about it next time. And uh, I don't have my book yet. That's going to be for the first of the year. I will announce that okay. uh, on our next episode, and I'm sure you'll probably have something that's coming down uh, along as well. But yeah. One more episode of 2018 next time. A gentleman in Moscow. It's going to be a good time. Indeed. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, again, wish you happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And until next time. <laughs>